Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Today is Thursday, July 15, 2021. And welcome to our show. We have two of our interpret reporters covering the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico and the major events going on this week with the hearing. Let me introduce Ava Lorenz down in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Chuck Stanley in Washington, D.C. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's been a lot of stuff going on, as I mentioned, in the Commonwealth. So let's cut to the chase. Ava, why don't you tell us uh, what's going on down there, what you found out? Well, a day after the hearings, obviously, which took place this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, the governor, uh, Pedro Pierluisi, in a reaction to the hearing, said that he insisted that the Financial Oversight and Management Board should refrain from insisting on cutting pensions. And he also mentioned that he was glad the judge yesterday ordered the board to include in the debt disclosure statement which, as you know, is the uh, document that explains in layman terms what the debt adjustment plan is. Uh, He said he was glad that the judge ordered the board to include there the risks of having the government, the board trying to pass this debt adjustment plan without the government's approval. Because as you know, the governor, as well as the legislature, oppose this debt adjustment plan because they oppose cuts to the pensions. So that's basically what we have today, a day after this hearing. All right. I know. Yes, pensions are the major uh, sticking point. Chuck, let's go to you. You've been covering the hearing for the last two days. Tell us what you found out. Uh, Thanks. Absolutely. I think sort of some of the headlines coming out of the hearings this week were, for one, Puerto Rico's Financial Oversight Management Board announced two new deals this week to increase creditor support for the plan of adjustment. And also, we did get a kind of verbal description from the board's attorneys on you know how the FOMB would proceed in in a situation where they can't win government support for the plan of adjustment, as uh, as Ava um, alluded to there, and they they were ordered by the judge to include those details in sort of that what was described as a plan B in the disclosure statement, so that creditors can understand sort of what risks they may face if the government doesn't come on board with this deal. All right. Uh, as they always say, have a plan B. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, Ava, can you tell us about the changes proposed in the latest debt adjustment plan filed this week? As you mentioned, it, there was a fifth amendment plan of adjustment filed this week. As Chuck mentioned, it includes the agreement that was reached with the unsecured creditors, but it also includes, uh, which increases their recoveries, but it also includes an agreement that was made with the teachers. And that agreement basically uh, guarantees that they will have the same benefits that they were entitled to get before the bankruptcy. Plus, they will get a $3,000 bonus if they decide to join this uh, agreement. And of course, as Chuck mentioned, the agreement with the UCC, which increases the, their recoveries to to about uh, $575 million in additional funding. The difference between the fourth amendment plan of adjustment and the fifth amendment plan of adjustment added some changes to releases because some of the creditors 
didn't want to have blank release for liability. So what this new the amendment plan did was it left PREPA out. First of all, that clarification was mm-hmm. made. PREPA is not going to be affected by this plan. And it also said that the releases will not include any uh, avoidance actions or tolling agreements because, of course, once this agreement goes into effect, all of the lawsuits that were filed and adversary proceedings, they will be eliminated. We have to say that this HTA, the Highway and Transportation Authority, is not part of this debt adjustment plan. They they will have a separate debt adjustment plan in, in uh, January, if I'm not mistaken. Also, there are, of course, this debt adjustment plan added three additional classes, a, a class 11, which are holders of uh, public building authority and the RA secure claims, and they are slated to receive 10% in cash. The debt adjustment plan includes a portion of the recovery is going to be in cash and a portion is going to be in bonds. There's also another class which includes the public building authority general and secure claims, which are also slated to receive 10% of their claims in cash. And of course, holders of uh, public building authority and DRA on secure claims, which are also going to get, who are also going to get a 10% of their claims in cash. The, it includes also a new class, which are the federal claims. And this class claims will be unimpaired by the Fifth Amendment plan. Very important, the Fifth Amendment plan eliminates the debt service reserve fund. This plan originally, you have to put some money aside for debt reserves that was eliminated. And regarding the treatment of the CVI, the contingent value instrument, let me explain briefly what this contingent value instrument is. It was added to the debt adjustment plan. And basically, it says that if sales and use tax revenues outperform projections, the creditors are going to get a little bit more more money. That's basically in a nutshell what it is. The Fifth Amendment plan, the latest plan included a provision that says that about the tax treatment of this CVI, and it says that Puerto Rico cannot impose any taxes or, or withholding obligation on this tax. So that's, those are basically, are in a nutshell, the changes, the latest changes to the debt adjustment plan. And the amended plan also comes with some additional support from creditors. Chuck, can you tell us a little bit about the deals announced this week by the board? Sure thing. As Ava noted, the uh, UCC was included in this latest amended plan, which was entered, I believe, the evening before these two days of hearings on the disclosure statement took place. And the question at issue during these hearings was, basically whether the disclosure statement accurately and completely describes how the plan would go into effect and how stakeholders would be impacted by confirmation of the plan. The FOMB arrived at the hearings with the UCC's buy-in, both the UCC and AMBAC Assurance Corporation and Financial Guarantee Insurance Corporation. Both of those are monoline insurers that insure Commonwealth bonds. Both of those groups were uh, scheduled to appear and in opposition to the disclosure agreement. But because the UCC had reached a deal with the FOMB, they dropped their opposition. And AMBAC Assurance, which was slated to speak first in objection to the disclosure statement, had to request an extension because their negotiations were so close to an agreement. And by the end of the hearings, both FGIC and AMBAC were able to reach what sounds like a tentative verbal agreement 
with the board to support the, the plan of adjustment. Lawyers for AMBAC, as I mentioned, had to get permission to delay their appearance so that they could continue these discussions. There are still, it sounds like, some parties to the agreement that have to officially give their blessing. Assuming that that happens, we should get an updated plan of adjustment that includes the monolines by the end of July. With the UCC and potentially both of these, those monoline insurance on board with the agreement, there's still some notable opposition to this plan. So Ava, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, as you know, the main opposition by the government is to the pension cuts. However, I have to note that this bankruptcy proceeding has a committee of retirees that represents the retirees. And that committee was the committee that negotiated the pension cuts and the pension agreement. And they do agree with the proposal on how the debt adjustment plan is going to deal with the pensions. However, the governor, I asked him about that. I asked him if uh, uh, precisely... Uh, why was the government opposing the pension cuts when the Committee of Retirees was in favor? And he basically told me that the Committee of Retirees does not represent, represents a very small part of the retirees. There are uh, different retirees groups that are opposing this debt uh, adjustment plan and the pension cuts. However, ironically, they have not filed in court any opposition documents op- formally opposing this. That is a problem here. But I have to mention that regarding the these cuts, which is an 8.5% to cut to all pensions that are higher than $1,500 a month. One of the problems is that, that uh, for a retiree who is making $1,500 a month, an 8.5 cut is significant. And not that many people know that over the past 10 years, retirees have been losing benefits. In the past, they used to get additional money from the government, for instance, to buy medications. They don't get that anymore. So they have been losing benefits, and that's why the government is opposing these additional cuts. Another significant thing that I must mention, and not that many people know, is that under regarding the dispension agreement, it creates a reserve fund that will be used to ensure future payment of pensions. And also it excludes social security payments. So if you receive 1500 a month in pension payments, but you get social security also, that means that your social security payments are not going to be to ta- be taken into account when you get the 8.5% cut. So that's basically... Some of the things I wanted to clarify regarding this uh, pension cut agreement. Right. And and a lot of the concerns Ava just described were raised as objections to the disclosure statement in the hearings this week. But Judge Swain, for the most part, rejected those objections on the grounds that they didn't speak specifically to the accuracy of the disclosure statement. But they'll most certainly be raised again during the confirmation proceedings. So, Chuck, one issue that's sure to come up in confirmation hearings is the indication from lawmakers that they could refuse to pass legislation to issue new bonds as part of the plan. Is that something that was addressed by the board? Yes. Judge Swain asked the board specifically about this during the proceedings this week. Specifically, she wanted to know if there was a plan B in the event that the government won't pass legislation to issue new bonds. Part of the plan would be the issuance of of new borrowing from the government uh, to exchange for outstanding credit. The board said that what it would do in that case would be to seek a court order to enforce the plan, including the issuance of new government debt. The board's lawyers say that this is legally possible 
you know, many representatives for the government have said otherwise. But the board also said that that's a situation that could really disrupt the implementation of the plan. For one, if there's no government legislation backing these bonds, it could call into question whether the borrowing is eligible for federal tax exemption as municipal bonds. And that's something that the IRS would have the final say on. And there's also the risk that creditors won't want to take on these bonds if they don't have any legal backing from the Commonwealth government, which is responsible for making payments on them. So there's concern that there could be defections from uh, creditors in that scenario. And I may add that if there is no backing from the government in the future, what in the future, the government can pass legislation that may affect these bonds. There is also that risk. Yes. And that's Judge Swain issued an order requiring the, the FOMB to include in the disclosure statement those very risks so that creditors can know that they run that risk in the event that the government doesn't buy into the deal. I think the long and short of it is, is that the board sees this potential outcome as you know, very much not ideal. And they say they're going to be in contact with the governor, lawmakers, creditors, and federal tax authorities to try and resolve those issues before the plan confirmation hearings. So let's finish up by talking, discussing the timeline. It's been obviously since 2017 with the bankruptcy, and we're talking about $35 billion still left in debt. Let's talk about the timeline, Chuck, going forward. Sure. Judge Swain uh, agreed to a schedule that would put the plan to a vote in October and begin confirmation proceedings in November. And she described this as, as a very aggressive schedule. And she did warn everybody in the court that any foot dragging by the government, creditors, or other parties to the proceedings uh, during the disclosure period could wind up delaying that timeline. And there is a risk because the debt adjustment plan says that if there is no confirmation by the end of January of next year, the individuals or the creditors that have decided to join this plan may drop out or may terminate it. So that's another risk the government is running or the Financial Oversight and Management Board that's it's facing if it doesn't get this confirmation plan in place. Well, we shall see. I feel like when it's like end of January before the Super Bowl, we should have like a, a Puerto Rico Bowl party. Let's see. What are the chances of it finishing up the that the restructuring by then? Well, the, well there the is odds? also PREPA. Yes. There's also PREPA left. After this, we also have then the PREPA Dev Adjustment Plan, which is going to be a comp- – it's expected to be a complicated process too. Right. Well, one credit at a time. Ava Lorenz in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Chuck Selling from Washington, D.C. Thank you both for your time today. We hope to talk to you again soon. Thank thanks you very a lot. It's great talking to you. All right. And that's our show for today. Many thanks to Ava Lorenz and Chuck Stanley. And most of all, thanks to you, our, our listeners out there. Tune in week after week for the latest on Descent Mini Debt on the Mean Lowdown, the podcast produced by Debtwire Municipals. Talk to you again. Stay safe, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.